So there's often times when we kind of look up and down our list and say, where do we start? You know, there's so much to do. There's so much that we're excited about. There's so much that we're scared about. But where do we start? You know, you, you either you close your eyes and point at one thing, or, or you know, you kind of listen to your gut instinct of uh, where to start. But either way, you know, you have to start. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we are a podcast that share the stories of impact and change in India. And today I have Anand Virmani with me, who is the CEO and co-founder of Now Spirits, a craft gin and spirits company we're aiming to make quality beverages out of India. Anand, great to have you on, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, doing well. Good, good. Uh, you know, honestly, to start off with, I really don't know the answer to this. What is a spirit? <laughs> uh, a spirit, uh, I guess, the, the, you know, the, the word itself means uh, the essence uh, of something. So, so back in the day when people were only drinking wine, um, you know, there was, uh, there was, of course, the alcohol part of wine, but everything else that gave it the flavor. Um, when they realized uh, they wanted to kind of, uh, and there was this way to kind of distill uh, uh, wine, which basically means, you know, evaporate out all, all the, the remaining water. What they essentially found was volume would, would kind of go down. Uh, and, you know, the, the oomph, uh, I guess, or the ABV as we know it would, would go up. Uh, but essentially what they were saying was they had taken the spirit out of the body uh, and got the essence. So what they created was brandy or burnt wine, as they call it at that point, where basically they just evaporated the water out of it. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah, because I really, I, you know, I hear it all the time, but I, I never knew what it was. So it's good to clear that up. Glad um, I the answer. <laughs> I, I want to start off with the fact that you're in the alcohol space. And, you know, when you think about alcohol and all this stuff, it's always huge companies, mass production. I know in India now we're starting to get into a really craft mode. But what is it about the alcohol space that excites you and you wanted to get into? Um, the, well, the bit that, that, uh, that really excites me about alcohol is that, you know, it's, it's just as much to do with the quality of what you're having, um, you know, as it is to do with, uh, with the brand uh, behind it. Right now, I've, I've obviously walked into this as a marketing person, as someone who, who was more interested on the, uh, on the marketing side of things and uh, marketing and sales side of things. So I was always more fascinated by uh, the brand, right? You could, you know, again, to take a, a, an example of a wine or a whiskey or something like that, you could have the best wine in the world, take the label of it and it's worthless, you know? Um, so so that is, is so strong, you know? The, so, so the brand presence on there is so strong that you just won't see necessarily in a, uh, in a rice or a, or a bread or something like that. That's awesome. And you know, you bring up a really good point because I've actually like w when I was in the U S studying wine was a big thing and I've had $9 wine that I genuinely felt tasted better than like 90 or a hundred dollar wine. It's just, it's all about marketing, which is, you know, really cool that you bring up. Um, I agree with you, man. but, but that's the thing. There's, there's a, there's a very blurred line between, you know, good marketing and bad marketing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> you could say good marketing is taking an average product and making it sound better. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it could also be bad marketing. If you, if you take a bad product, uh, and make it sound great, 
you know so mm. so there, there's a fine line there and, and that line gets blurred every day um, that's that's true that's true so let, let's go to the story a little bit the story behind mm-hmm. how now spirit started you so you left your job and you decided to go to uh, France was it to learn about w- the wine business so talk about that decision how, why did you make that leap well that that decision was really stemmed out of the fact that uh, even when I was getting into my first job in the wine in, in the in the spirits industry um, I really wanted to get into a, a job which was actually in the wine industry so I was looking for and I was trying to get into um, conversations which would lead me into a this possible role with uh, with a winery or a winemaker uh, or a vineyard you know something like that and and instead I ended up in a you know in a, at a family dinner with uh, someone saying listen there might be a role with a whiskey company called William Grant and I was like oh, you know not really a whiskey drinker but fine um, it took nine months of kind of uh, you know <laughs> uh, well pursuing them to to kind of finally give me that job because I was very keen on getting into the wine and spirits industry, um, and I got that, uh, and I worked there at William Grant's at uh, for for about three and a half four years. Uh, but I, the entire time, I kind of wanted to get back to the you know to the wine roots, you know, to get back to uh, doing something in the wine industry because that's the first thing that that had excited me uh, about this space. Um, so that's why I decided, okay, listen, enough is enough. Um, you know, there's also this pressure that comes with. Uh, kind of moving up in 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 the corporate world, I guess in India, that you must have a master's, you know. And I, at this this point, I only had a had a bachelor's. So so I said, all right, uh, let's do a master's, but let's not do a typical MBA. Uh, let's try and find something else. And you know, happened to find this thing in Burgundy in France uh, called the Masters in Wine Business, uh, which is which is what I pursued for a year and a half, and and it was great. So. At this point, did you know you wanted to come home and eventually start something, or were you still continuing to just think, you know, I'm going to move up in the corporate world, and this is just going to help me, you know, climb that ladder? Honestly, I think in my mind, I was saying, oh, you know, I I'm going to be super involved with the wine world now, so I'm going to either get a job in France or Spain or the UK, you know, and and stuff like that, um, and just didn't work out. Uh, you know, it was one of those things that I had a great experience. Um, and and had a couple of job offers in hand, but visas didn't pan out. So so you know if if that had all gone to plan, you know I would have been sitting somewhere in the UK or something, uh, you know, peddling wine uh, for one of the big wigs, um, which would have been I would have been happy at that point, not knowing anything about uh, you know opportunities that lay uh, in India. Uh, even coming back in India. <clears throat> um, you know, the, the idea wasn't necessarily to start something of my own, uh, but was to work in some in a, in a setup that I was still relatively familiar with, which was uh, you know something like a William Grant's, uh, and and just happened to fall upon this opportunity with Remy Quantro, uh, which which in my head kind of justified the whole wine presence, since you know uh, cognac uh, is 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 brandy, right, pretty much, so which is derived from wine. So I said, all right. I'm getting closer, right? I went from whiskey now. I'm now in now I'm in cognac. Next step, wine. Um, so yeah. So, but you didn't you didn't stay there too long, huh? Like you, how long were you there before you ventured out in, with your friend uh, to start a bar? Oh, these are you know these seem like planned steps. They weren't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I stood I stayed there for about well just less than a year, 
but not because I decided to leave, uh, but because the company decided to leave. In the sense, uh, the company was going through well uh, financial situations across the globe, and one of the one of the ways they thought they could cut their losses was uh, by actually cutting out uh, the India business. So there were about fourteen of us, fifteen of us that kind of got laid off, um, you know, because they decided to shut the entire company down. So it was at that point actually that I was uh, speaking to a friend of mine. Uh, you know, he said, "Listen, I'm going to be starting a, a wine and coffee bar. Can you help me out with that?" So yeah, sure, sounds good. Uh, and that's you know, and, and in my mind again, that was that was me saying, "Great, you know, back back at wine." Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, I guess uh, you know, world had its own plans, etc. So you know, we started off on this wine journey. Um, you know, it was great. I was there for for a full two years, um, and I'm still, you know, I still sort of remain emotionally involved with that. Um, but within the first two weeks of that, we we looked at it and realized that there was a huge opportunity uh, to make a gin uh, in India, right? Because that's what people were asking for, and somehow there just wasn't any good gin, uh, you know, doing the rounds in India. So we said, listen, let's let's do this. So. So literally, as soon as I got into wine, went right out of it, <laughs> or at least planned to get out of it. But but that's like a, that's a huge decision because you guys are just getting this bar going, right? And then what was it doing well? Were you, what were you learning from that experience of of getting that started up? It was it was very new. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd been part of uh, this wine and spirits industry for a for a bit at that point. Uh, but never really been involved on the customer side of things. So never really, you know, interacted with customers on a one-on-one basis. Um, you know, so so that was that was great to be able to start a brand from 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 scratch. You know, lay out the the marketing vision, lay out the brand vision for it uh, was something completely new for me. Right up till now, I'd been working with brands that were very well established for 100, 125 years. Um, you know, so they obviously came in with a game plan. Here we had to make the game plan. Uh, so, so the idea of the gin, people were asking for it, and you were just looking around, and there's nothing there, especially nothing there made in India. What, why is that? What, why wasn't there anything uh, made in India? You know, this was one of those questions we also uh, asked ourselves, and and while the answer seems a little clearer now, um, I think the only answer we could we could come up with at that point was it's just not a big enough space. Um, you know, there had in fact been guys like Seagram's Dry Gin, right? And this was Pernorica. Pernorica was huge. Uh, Seagram's Dry Gin had been there till uh, till at least four or five years before that, uh, and they'd exited. So, so now in your mind, you're thinking, Pernorica—they've got the best brains in the business. You know, um, you know, the most most profitable kind of spirits company in India. They've decided to step out of gin and focus instead on their other categories. Uh, there must be something that we are missing, right? Uh, so the obvious kind of reasoning was, you know, 97% of the spirits industry in India is brown spirits. You know, the 3% that's left for white spirits, of that, 2% actually is vodka. So, so 1% is all you're left with of the total spirits market, which is gin. And even within that, 99% of that, uh, of that 1%, is mass-produced, bulk, um, really cheap gin. You know, again, no no brand names to be taken here, uh, but but that's that's the reality of it. So, 
So why are people, why are other companies not interested in it? Is because there's just so much more to do in whiskey. There's so much more to do in rum and in brandy. Uh, that that you know this was small fry, uh, and for us, you know, who were the small fish, small fry was was great. You know, so for us, this is this is amazing. Uh, for the big guys, it means nothing. Um, that's the only reason they didn't get involved in it. Now, you know, um, five years down the road, so 2015 is when we first started thinking about this. 2017 is when we launched. 2020, we're seeing some of the big players come in uh, with gins of their own. Uh, and when I say big players, not not quite multinationals, but uh, but big players within India. Yeah, and I was really I was really surprised. Um... When, when I heard you speak at your TED talk, gin and tonic was made in India. Like I, yeah. I did not know that at all. That, that's pretty cool. It was made by the British, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we love taking credit for these things. So even if we didn't <laughs> do it, uh, yeah. it was very much invented in India. And, uh, and I guess we can take credit for it because uh, you know, we, we created that need, right? So if, what is it? Uh, necessity is the mother of creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we created the necessity and that necessity was... Uh, was a cure for malaria, right? Uh, right. Of course, we kind of been, you know, we kind of grew up with mosquitoes, so so we were kind of immune to this uh, malaria. Thing. Well, not immune totally, but mm-hmm. at least we were we were better uh, prepared for malaria. Uh, but the English came in and, and had no idea what hit them. You know, they were just, you know, pardon the analogy, but uh, you know, falling like flies. Um, <laughs> so yeah. for them, they needed a quick fix. And that quick fix was quinine, uh, which of course they, they realized, oh, okay, quinine is bitter by itself. Let's dissolve it in uh, soda or, or seltzer water at that point and mix in some sugar. You know, it'll make it more drinkable. Uh, and that's where tonic water was born. So all tonic water around the world today, you will see is called Indian tonic water. Mm. Right? And some genius sitting out of Madras at that point uh, uh, English person obviously would have said listen I get my ration of tonic water which I have to consume uh, and I get a ration of gin which I want to consume um, so why not just put it together and see what happens and you know the rest is history wow wow that's a very interesting story uh, I did not know that at all but so, so you see this need and you see this one percent of the market that you can possibly get a foothold on yeah. but starting you know, any sort of liquor business, I imagine is, is very expensive, right? You have to have the bottles, you have to have inventory, you have to do marketing. Like there, there's so much fixed expenses that you'll have. So how do you do that? Like, do you go out for funding? Do you actually say, I'm going to put it all in the line on myself and get going? How is that? that how is that starting off? There was, yeah, that was difficult. There was just no way in hell I was going to be able to do this off my savings or, you know, friends and family, that kind of a thing. That's the kind of scale that this was at. It wasn't a, you know, let me try and, and you know, create or buy a small 100 liter still, you know, uh, make a proof of concept. Uh, there wasn't space for that because, you know, everything as it operates in India, everything is, is, uh, is skewed towards um, and built out for large formats. Right. So, so if you try and go and get a license for yourself to start distilling, you know, you're looking at licenses which start in the, you know, millions of liters of millions of liters. Right. And here we are trying to make like a few hundred, maybe a few thousand liters. Uh, 
you know so obviously we had to scale up our dreams to kind of fit into that but we could never have uh, done that on our own um, on our own steam so thankfully uh, literally the first person we spoke to who happened to be the person who invested uh, behind uh, the bar itself um, saw the merit in the idea uh, and said listen sounds good let's uh, you know why don't you guys go out and explore it a little bit more in your free time because you know obviously don't stop running the bar which i have paid money for um but in your free time yeah why don't you go out and uh, uh, and start exploring this as a as a potential opportunity so this is what i was spending uh, you know my mornings because you know evening was the bar time my mornings my some of my afternoons and uh, and on my off days uh, doing was just working on this for for two years straight and where where were you looking because you've never done it before you've never made an alcohol you're a marketing guy uh, where do you look um um kind of had to tap into resources uh, that well that were probably you know one degree of separation away or two degrees of separation away so um so connected with uh, uh, this gentleman called Pavez Patel who was who had been the the head of manufacturing for Puerto Rico uh, and had retired and was you know living a nice quiet life in pune um and said listen can i bother you uh, and i remember how badly he shot me down day one where he's just like this is a stupid idea you know and, and i was like yeah I, i understand so so anyway so so two days later he kind of wrote me an email saying all right i've slept over it i understand your your perspective fine i will you know basically he decided to humor me uh and i'm glad he did um so it was like that you know finding mentors that that could teach us a thing or two about uh, about the operation side of things about the production side of things um you know we went out thinking or well, not not necessarily thinking that we would have to make it ourselves but we went out thinking we'll get someone else to make it but for someone else to make it they need a pot still they need the understanding of what a craft gin should taste like should should be made in you know and however far and wide we look in india there was nothing so there was no pot still there was no one who could operate a pot still right i i went and interviewed a whole bunch of uh, people in in the leading uh alcohol institute of uh called sugars institute um they were all being prepared like i said to to work in these large scale formats no one was being prepared to run the pot still so they had no idea what a pot still looked like and, and i was just like so you guys have just studied two years of alcohol production what the hell um so that's kind of when we took the decision well uh, that plus the fact that when we went and spoke to those big format guys and said listen will you help us make this etc they pretty much laughed us out the door when they heard the numbers that we were trying to do um so yeah so so having you know come to that point we said listen screw it we'll make it ourselves um and and that's when we we chanced upon someone who said all right you can make it yourself you can use our license uh, and you can make it in uh, you know out of this back area that we have in our facility which is a bottling facility It sounds like during this experience there was so many like little nos. There was the first when you were reaching out to the first mentor and he was like this is not a good idea, don't do that. And then you you see all of this negativity in in the sense that nobody else can do it. Now I have to do it myself. And then you go to other manufacturers and they're saying you're way too small. Do you like what was going through your mind at that point? Were you just like really like okay, this has happened, let's move forward? Or were you thinking you know maybe maybe this wasn't the idea that i should be pursuing 
Um, no, I think I think we were convinced about the idea. Uh, I think it, it was just a matter of us convincing someone else. Uh, so, so like I said, the 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 people who finally did get convinced uh, to kind of give us a little space uh, in their facility was a was a small company, well, not really small, but a company called Blue Ocean Beverages in in Goa, and they their forte was bottling. Right, you give them something, they will bottle it. They were already bottling Old Monk. They were already doing like all these other big big brands. Um, and out of that, you know, we kind of just cold called them. Uh, so I, you know, I was already in Goa. We were already, we already had a couple of meetings lined up with, uh, you know, with Pervez and myself and going and meeting these uh, manufacturers. And I just cold called these guys because I was Google searching and I was like, okay, you know, who else is here? Um, I said, listen, you know, we were making, uh, we think you're making a craft spirit. We would love to kind of come and speak to you. And he took down the basic details and said, yeah, all right, we'll be in touch. Didn't think much of it. Didn't think I would even get a call back. Uh, half an hour later, I got a call back saying, oh, you know, you spoke to my father. Uh, what, what is it that you wanted to do? You want to do a craft spirit? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, come, come in. Uh, can you come in tomorrow? I said, yeah, I'm here in Goa. He said, okay, come in. Let's speak. It worked out. You know, I, I went, spoke to him. It was this father-son viewer, but I only spoke to the son. Um, the one who, who kind of, you know, called back. Um, but he, at the time of signing the contract, he said, listen, this was never meant to work. We called you in just to kind of get information on what you were doing. You know, just to understand what you were doing. My, my dad had already told me to say a hard no to you guys. Uh, that we didn't want to be involved with a, with a craft business kind of wasting our time. Um, you know, but but after hearing you, we saw merit in it, and uh, and we decided to find give it a shot, which is, you know, which scared me a little bit because I I myself had not realized how thin the ice was that we were walking on. Uh, but it's fine if it's in retrospect. It's it's good to not know the, the you know right the, the the thickness or thinness of the ice that we're walking on, I guess, and be a little bit more sort of have horse blinders on and just keep going about your work. Right. So that, that's, that's awesome. Um, so you guys, you, you get that and you get the contract and you can start going. How long did it, t- you, you said it took you two years before you could get to launch, right? 2015 to 17. Yeah. Could you talk so, about that process? Go, go ahead. I mean, 2015 to 16 was us just kind of toying around with different concepts, different ideas. Um, you know, going to the spice market, Bauli in Delhi, going there. Um, seeing what all was available, you know, kind of, you know, that was the, that was the whole playful time, right? That was the time when you could, you know, I set up a little, uh, lab still in, in my house and I was just experimenting with different flavors and everything. And, you know, it was, it was great. You know, that was, that was, that was a really, uh, great creative space to be in. Um, you know, at the same time working on Excel, the business models, uh, what, what's the kind of bottles we need, speaking to bottle suppliers, speaking to pot still manufacturers to understand were we in the right ballpark, um, you know, with, with the kind of, you know, budgeting that we had in mind, uh, with the kind of timelines we had in mind, we, we brought on a, a mentor in the global gin, gin space as well. So he could kind of lend us some perspective on, on how gin is made overall. Um, you know, what are the things to keep in mind? What are the safety aspects? All of that. Um, yeah, I, I think, so we spent the first year really doing that. The second uh, year was kind of then putting that plan into motion, um, you know, which means getting serious about, all right, where do we get the juniper from? Um, you know, where are we making it? And at that point, we just figured out 
uh, that Goa was going to be the place and, and it was going to be with the ocean. You know, so, so contracts and doing all that running around, you know, just by yourself while you're trying to, you know, keep, keep your day job or your night job, I guess, intact with a bar. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a ride. I, I didn't have a personal life at that point, but, uh, but I didn't <laughs> mind having a, having a gin life slash bar life kind of being my personal life uh, at, that, at that stage. So, so how did you know when you had the perfect gin and you were like, this is ready to go? Because, you know, actually a lot of people who I talk to are in the tech world and it's all about MVPs. You know, you put out a little chunk of your product and then you iterate and you iterate and you iterate. But in this, it's kind of like, no, it has to be really good from the start. Yeah. So how did you know when to get going? <clears throat> um, see, we knew we were going to make a gin, number one. So, so you know, the, the task of making it taste good uh, was was always going to be key, but we knew we could have done it, right? One way or another, we could have hired someone. Uh, and, and finally, that's what we did. In 2016, uh, October, we ended up going to the to London for the craft distilling expo. Um, and, you know, we there we, we got a crash course from one of the distillers there uh, at her distillery, uh, which is a small uh, distillery in London. Um, and we got a crash course on distilling. And we're like, wow, this is great. You know, somehow convinced her, listen, you know, why don't you come help us out? And she's like, oh, you know, I get all these offers all the time. I don't generally do it. We're like, yeah, but we're in Goa. And she's like, oh, okay, good. I'm coming. Um, so, so she came by uh, and she spent February and March with us of 2017. This is, we had just received the copper pot still. It was just being assembled. So she was there to kind of, you know, guide us along with that. Um, and while she was there, we were still, so, so actually from October onwards, we were on call saying, this is what we've done on our lab still so far. This is what we think works. What do you think? Tell us, you know, and, and that kind of back and forth would happen. Uh, you know, I'd send her samples. She'd be like, oh, yours is tasting different. Why is that? You know, we would realize that the coriander she was using was different from ours. You know, so the coriander seed, the Indian coriander seed was spicier than the English or Bulgarian coriander seed she was using. Um, so, so those are all interesting kind of uh, moments uh, that we had. And, and finally, you know, we would, every time we would, we would distill a batch, uh, we had a lot of, obviously being in the industry, we had a lot of friends who were from the bar trade. So we kind of go to them and say, listen, taste this, taste that, taste this, taste that. And when we would be kind of convinced there, we would put together like a focus group. You know, again, this was business education kind of coming to its fore. We had focus groups put together uh, with, you know, eight, 10 people that we, we kind of knew. Sometimes they were good friends. Sometimes we didn't know anything about them. Uh, but the idea was to get a whole host of people coming in, tasting it, seeing the branding, telling us what they thought. Um, and then us kind of going back and saying, all right, let's take it back to the drawing board. It wasn't until, so we would, at every step we would think, oh, now we're happy. You know, now, now it tastes like a gin. Um, and literally those, those were some of the things that we were, we were like, you know, were proofs of, the concept for us so does it taste like a gin yes okay today we can move on and uh, i was just gonna ask uh was it a crazy launch party at the bar when you guys finally kicked off no no, no. how did you guys launch um honestly we still haven't we we you know we, we're so in it we're so if i was just doing marketing i would have only been thinking about guys when are we doing this you know when let's do a launch party let's do a launch party Literally, it was, you know, we were so, 
worried about red tape and and just licensing and, and all of those other things that it was more of when the bottles first went out into the market it wasn't a celebration it was a sigh of relief you know um we were in our minds we thought we were ready in april of 2017 the bottles first went out in september end 2017 you know so those five months of just kind of agonizing over what the hell else are they going to throw at us next why are they just not letting us take this into market uh was so draining that that by the time we actually got to you know take the take the bottle out uh, to the market it was just like you know wow you know we we've kind of managed that and uh wow so let, let's get into that why you couldn't celebrate it uh that, that's the topic of doing business in india and you know i think a lot of startups have talked about this and i can imagine it's 10 times tougher in the alcohol space so so talk about some of the challenges that you guys faced during that process and what would you tell someone who's going into alcohol space or you know starting up anything in general that when you're dealing with the government or policies you know how do you move forward i think i think the idea is to always try and get help um you know we are, we understood that this was not our forte our forte was was barely distilling you know uh, our our real forte was actually being part of the industry um so so technically our our strength should have kicked in when we got the product into market and uh, we were able to celebrate and and you know talk to uh, bartenders and stuff like that but as it turns out because it's so difficult to to get into the production side of things in india that because we were able to crack that that became our strength um you know so so i think that's kind of what separated us at that point um yeah I, I, honestly i mean it's it's always going to be tough in india to to start any business but you know and and every business or every every person in in a specific industry is going to say oh you you don't understand me my industry is way tougher than yours and you know i'm going to say the same uh, right now is is the alcohol industry is just absolutely one of the toughest things to be in one because uh none of the kind of government policies kind of apply to you so no benefits that the government passes on will ever apply to you because uh the government really sees alcohol as a sin right it's it's in our constitution that that states need to strive towards uh being a prohibition state uh so so the, while this guidance is there i think the states themselves understand that uh, that alcohol you know adds to their uh, coffers right alcohol and petroleum are the two things that have been kept out of gst because of constant state lobbying because gst means money goes straight back to to the central government which is fine but alcohol and and uh, and uh, uh, petroleum are are two of the things that that add the the biggest weight to to a state's uh, revenue so time and time again we've seen states like haryana and tamil nadu etc etc uh, kerala trying you know petition for oh we're going to become a dry state why because it helps them with the with the vote bank that it helps them gain votes because you know alcohol abuse and and all the negativity negativity around around alcohol so they constantly you know saying we're going to ban alcohol if we are brought into power and then they do that and and within a year of being in power they realize they have no money right and then they backtrack which is what's happened in the past with haryana it's happened in the past with tamil nadu it's happened in the past with kerala um 
so so yeah it's a, it's a love hate relationship um, that that the government has with us there is there is that reality of red tape there is that reality of this license culture that has not gone away that is not going to go away um anytime soon uh, despite whatever people might say um so it's tough but how to deal with it is you know you keep attacking it one at a time um there's just innumerable amount of obstacles that get thrown at you in whatever you you do as a entrepreneur in india uh, or anywhere in the world innumerable things right um each thing will be unique each thing will be a challenge but but you take on that 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 day as it as it comes and um you know when you can afford it you you build a team with people who are far more capable than yourself uh and and you leave it uh, in their hands as well you leave those things in their hands uh and we've done that uh, uh and we continue doing that you know we when you when you build a business from scratch you you believe you need to keep a hold of everything because no one understands the pain of um you know kind of creating that and hence no one else can can possibly do justice to it right but you also need to know that you're wrong in that yeah there are people who are far better than you who exist in the world um and you need to find those out find those people out to kind of entrust with with you know with parts of your product if not the entire product um and i think that's that's the biggest challenge is is to kind of let go of uh, you know of let go of control you know to people you trust or or you hope you trust um and 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 then you hope that they that they come through and that's that's an amazing place that i think we can go into a little bit of the conclusion of the interview i, I want to ask you what is the five year objective what what's the mission that now spirits wants to go on and where does what does it look like in five years um you know it's very difficult to kind of um, uh imagine this uh but but in five years we would obviously love to be the kind of go to gin for for anyone in india whether you're a consumer whether you're a bartender if someone says get me a gin automatically you know you should be reaching for greater that uh that's why we've kind of kept it simple we've we've kept it uh you know if you see the branding for greater than it's it's minimal uh we wanted to be you know the the, the people's gin you know if you may you know it should be you know something that you're comfortable with it's not it's not you know it's not something that you need to know you know on the back of your hand it's, it's just easy it's attainable it's a friend it's not a it's not something you get intimidated by um and and we've got another brand called hapusha that's more to do with with the classic indian story um you know talking to the rest of the world so here now we we talk to the rest of the world telling them our story telling them about our heritage telling them about our botanicals our spices uh but in in as non cliched a way as possible because it's so easy to fall into that cliched step especially when you get into a product that deals with craft that that deals with spices and herbs that you know you can fall into that and not even realize you've fallen into it you know next thing you know you've got you know you're telling the story of elephants and snake charmers you've got paisleys and stuff 
you know, which is not which is not the India you and I know, right? It's you know we we live in modern India, and and we feel that uh, that there is a space for a story to to stem from modern India, um, you know, even if that modern India is of the 1950s or 60s or, or 40s, you know, where potentially we have that nostalgic feeling of things were better, things were simpler, uh, but it was still uniquely Indian. Um, I think that's uh, you know I think that's that's the space that we want to occupy in people's mind, where you know if in India you talk about a gin, you think about greater than. If around the world you you know in the gin space you talk about India, you think of Hakusha, um, and yeah I, I I think that's that would be great if we're able to manage that that would be amazing. Wow, and one final question yes. is. What does it take to build something great from absolute scratch? No idea. Uh, I think I think conviction. Uh, again, and, and there's no there's no uh, one correct answer for this, but but I, I feel you need to have that conviction. You need to be convinced that uh, you know you've got the right product or you've got the right idea uh, in mind. Um, but second, also have a sense of reality. Right. It's great to be convinced about, uh, yeah, I think this is the best idea in the world, but also to kind of be able to go out there and do a sense check um, on, you know, does it make sense? Is it is it viable? Is it uh, is it just me with my head in the clouds? You know, um, often we used to think before we launched, right, that that this was, despite despite doing all the due diligence that we possibly could, we used to still think that this was a pipe dream. You know that oh, you know we're we're doing this, it'll make a great Instagram post, but beyond that, will it, will it really have legs? We don't know. Um, you know, so, so it's great to get uh, valuable feedback. Uh, it's great to get relevant feedback because not everyone will, will be honest with you. So you need to know who's being honest and who's not. Um, and, and hopefully things work from there. Not always will they work, uh, even at that point. You know, and when I went to business school, we were taught, uh, you know, that listen, it's uh, your success rate if you're starting out a, uh, you know, if you're starting out your own business is fairly low. Uh, when you say fairly low, you know, we talk about 99% of business ideas remain as ideas. You know, 1% actually fruit to something, and of that 1%, um, you know, what actually becomes a success or not is 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 again a fraction. Um, so, so we were always, we we're always keeping that in mind. Even today, it's not to say that oh now you know now we feel we've arrived. We haven't. Uh, there's so much work to be done um, that sometimes we get really overwhelmed and we look at each other. So, so my wife and I uh, work on this together, and you know we sit across from each other. So, so there's often times when we, when we kind of look up and down our list and say where do we start. There's so much to do. There's so much that we're excited about. There's so much that we're scared about. But where do we start? You know, you, you either you close your eyes and point at one thing, or, or you know, you kind of listen to your gut instinct of uh, where to start. But either way, you know, you have to start. That's awesome, and I think that's a that's a great place to wrap up, Anand. Thank you so awesome. much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. 
Cheers, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is great. I got to reminisce a lot more than I thought. Of course, it was great to have you. And thank you to everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Next Move podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We release podcasts weekly on stories of change and impact in India. So till the next one, see you.